Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael. Thank you for downloading another episode of Where Are We Going? It's the podcast that uh, asks that very pointed question of our times and of uh, people and things going on all around us uh, and we've really been centering in the past year or so more mostly upon uh, the testimony of people who've been caught up in being involved in those uh, all too common um, groups that we like to call cults the, the, the word cult isn't particularly a good one to use but it's the one people are most familiar with and when you hear the word you think of so many different things come to mind. You think of people that you know that eat their that, that skin rabbits and eat them at the under the sun, under the moon at nighttime and, and, and are and are people that can that are wear masks and bright painted feathers and robes and you can see them so clearly that you will know exactly who they are. So we, we already have a predisposition that we know exactly what a cult is. But unfortunately, uh, as we've been discussing, uh, have, as we've known for many years, is that cults simply aren't that simple. They, they are meant to be and are based upon uh, the principle of deception. I mean, uh, that's what the whole point of, of, of uh, their existence is. Uh, we've spoken up in our, in our series called Creepers, about those certain men who creep in unawares, as as the Apostle Jude described them, who creep into churches to be, to actually prey upon them and use them as their own their own meal ticket, and then that's exactly what we're talking about today. This this episode, by the way, uh, that we're doing was going to be on the original Creepers uh, circuit uh, due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, we had to reschedule, but I'm I'm so glad that we can have Carly here today who's going to bring uh, her own insights on her experience of being involved with such a group. And, uh, Carla, it's been a pleasure to have known you as long as we have. We, I mean, you, I think I met you shortly after you left them back in 2012, yes. right? Um, actually, it was 2013. Okay. Or, yeah, maybe maybe 14, but I, I pretty yeah, 2014. Okay. And then you sent me a whole bag of uh of of, of sermons from uh yes. the chosen uh the chosen one that you were following that had made right. them up, but unfortunately because they're on video disc or there's some sort of exotic DVD kind of thing, I can't quite access right. them yet. But it probably doesn't matter. I mean, uh, right. all you're going to hear is the same thing that I'm certain that you right. heard, I've heard all my all my life in this. So. So, Carla, once again, thank you for coming on and, and being willing to, to share with us here. So, You're uh, welcome. Yeah. And our, our, I'm glad to be able to be with you as well. Good. I'm glad that, I'm glad that uh, despite all that could have happened to you, that that you're able to be spared a lot of the uh, of the struggle that people could typically go through, been impacted by, mm-hmm. by groups and cults uh, who right. are toxic, and uh, right. that's not the 
that's not in any way, shape, or form to uh, to meet anyone who, who struggles at all. We, right. we're, we're right. hoping that uh, you know through what you're about to share, you'll you actually provide some some means and hope for people like that. So, right. uh, as I said, this is going to be part of a creeper series. So I guess this will be like 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 the the, the final one, I guess. But uh, your our discussion today is going to be centered around your experience in going in and coming out and seeing what you saw of a certain group that we uh, know of that is, has still somehow in some phantom existence still exists. It's called right. the Sound Doctrine Church, and they're located in Enumclaw, Washington. Is that, did I say that right? Enumclaw. Yes. Enumclaw. Um, okay. <laughs> Enumclaw. Okay. And, and to say that there's still an Enumclaw, that's debatable, um, still in Washington State, most likely. Right. So um, I, I'm not you know, kept exactly where their whereabouts are today, but they're on the internet. So, right. Oh yeah. They're um, definitely on the so internet. We're still, yeah. You know, fishing for people. Yeah. Somebody's out there running the websites, creating them, right. stuff like that. And, and that's probably where the, the, the principal figure, the principal leader of the Sound Doctrine uh, Church is probably most known. His name is Timothy Williams. And Timothy, if you're listening today, uh, God have mercy on your soul. Uh, that's all I'm going to say, and we'll get more to that later. But, uh, but Timothy has been around quite a while, and he's had quite a career in terms of jumping all over the nation, trying to create his own following. And, right. uh, from what I understand, he had a background, uh, he had apparently been uh, a peer of, uh, of Kip McKean. Who is a bona fide established church, uh, a cult leader of the International Church of Christ is, is, and uh, I believe he's, was located in Colorado when he, uh, had, apparently had been starting all that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be careful on exactly what locations, but, um, I believe Missouri was when, uh, Kit McKean and Timothy Williams had met, according to the conversations I remember. Um, having with Timothy Williams and Carla Williams. Um, I think Kip McKean has been all over since then because, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, but um, yeah, Missouri would have been where they would have met in okay. the Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. I and think at, that at, time, the, was, at the university there, I believe. Okay. I was, was he actively involved in at, at the University of what, Missouri? Um, I believe it was just a Bible study at the Church of Christ that was there. Um, they were young adults at the time and I believe that's where Carla and uh, Timothy Williams had met and uh, she had brought Timothy to the Church of Christ she was going to and then essentially Bible studies and and somehow and again I don't know the these, these details but they had um, connected with Kit McKean and they he somehow this movement had started and um, they were at the beginnings of it and they had a disagreement along the way and ended up parting ways, but that was essentially the start of the ICOC. It wasn't started before that, um, but the inklings were going on, and mm-hmm. the Bible study was a part of that. And campus, I would say one thing about cults is they do love um, that age group, so mm-hmm. college oh, yeah. students, young adults, so um right at the prime of when people are making decisions for their lives. And um, that's when they all met. Right. And that is a, a a demographic, as you said, that's most prone um, because, because they're willing to experiment. They're willing to change. They're they're, they're the most fluid. They're they're trying to figure things out. And 
And of course, going to colleges, that's where this is going on. I, I, I note that the revivals, the, the revivals that are said to be going on at, at places like Asbury University in Kentucky, Lee, Lee University mm-hmm. in, in Tennessee, and, uh, uh, I believe there was Cedarville. I mean, there's several mm-hmm. of these going on. They're spontaneous. Cedarville mm-hmm. University in Ohio. Fill with young people, young men and women who are all seeking God and trying to, and right. trying to really see. It's a wonderful thing to see. It's spontaneous. It's not right. planned. At the same time, though, there's all manner of, uh, Mormon missionaries and one just Pentecostal evangelists trying to, trying to suck them into their orbit. They've been, there's been right. before they're going out to and, and praying upon literally by preaching to these people while they're waiting in line or outside or trying to get them involved in things like that, like a Bible study. Uh, so. Right. So right. really, it's you're right. It's that's exactly where it was, and, and Timothy Williams certainly was, uh, and, and Kit McKean were certainly knowing what they were doing. But uh, did he stay in that demographic long? I mean, from what I, from what I gather, uh, he began to really get involved in and develop uh, his uh, his teaching, his preaching, his messages, um, and uh, uh, he began to really get launched out on the internet more. Maybe you can maybe you can give a few comments on that. Um, I, I can't really tell you how long they were involved there, um, but I do know that it led to a um, a seeking that Timothy went with um, from there after I think he got disillusioned with whatever was going on there and the disagreement they had had, and he kind of went off on his own after that, um, him and his, I guess, wife, uh, Carla, and she was a devout Christian from since she was young. So, um, she was pretty, um, she, I remember her saying something about being a, a, a Jesus freak. So, um, they, they went off and I believe they were, they were already starting a family. So, um, they, she, he mentioned being a part or getting a job as an interim pastor at a very small, tiny church. And I, I don't know what state it was, but, um, he brought his, I guess, findings in scripture and the things that he thought God was showing him, he brought it to that church. And I guess they didn't like it and weren't really happy with the message he was preaching. And, um, but he worked a pig farm and whatever. It kind of was really getting dirty as far as, you know, getting into the, um, uh, the ministry mm-hmm. and, um, ended up in Colorado and, uh, and uh um or it was it, it could have been Missouri. I, I don't know again which state was what where where he did these things, but they did run a, a a men's home for a while when the kids were younger and um helped helped troubled men through some traumatic stuff. I think this is before a lot of regulations, so one of the things I, I do remember him saying that the home didn't last, it got shut down due to maybe them not being able to keep up with the regulations and it was just them they weren't certified they weren't you know they weren't degreed in what they were doing so um was this something they started through the church or on their own i think they went on their own from what i'm understanding they broke away from the church of christ and from the icoc movement and he he went off on his own so it was pretty pretty right away um, from that experience that he went straight into the ministry, which again is a, is a red flag because, um, one thing that I have learned is that, uh, time, time in the trenches is important just in your walk with Christ in the beginning. 
um, not jumping into straight away trying to disciple other people when you're just young yourself mm-hmm. um, right. can really open up some really um, uh, dangerous doors. Um, but again, uh, that's, that's what a lot of people do. And it's not that it can't work out in the end, but, um, it is a danger. I think people need to recognize that someone that just jumps straight in the ministry and starts trying to disciple people after not really. Yeah. yeah. You know, very definitely. Very. Right. And the Bible speaks very clearly of that. It says the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 in, 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 uh, in the book of, uh, first Timothy, where Paul is speaking to, uh, Timothy, his young mentor, he mentions that those who seek the office of a bishop, those who seek the mm-hmm. office of, of authority within a church, should be not novices. They should not be mm-hmm. beginners. They should be people mm-hmm. who are not just, you know, getting their feet wet. They should be people who are mature, of, of sound uh, doctrine. Right. And sound, right. And sound Which is character. interesting because that's what he started calling himself. So. Exactly. Yes, right. yes. So, yeah, I believe we he had a, a rebel. He was definitely a, a rebel at heart, um, you know, just from even knowing him and his personality. He wasn't a follower by any means. He was definitely a person that would... Uh, a controlling nature already. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they ended up that men's home and raising their children. And he was trying to do a church at the same time in Colorado. I believe they were in Aurora and they had a following by then. A few people came from Missouri with them and followed them to where they were. So he was gathering people and he was getting on what they called at the time message boards, bulletin boards back when the internet was just, you know, getting going. And he was talking to people on the internet, debating with them, and uh, really specifically Christians. Um, maybe it started off non-Christians, but really it seemed, and from my conversations and seeing how he operated, it was his target was Christians, not not non-believers. You know, it was not his his target. So um, his his means was to go after and debate with Christians and pull them away from whatever they were questioning with or or get them to question or get them to basically um, stop what they were doing and listen to him. Right. And um, right. now, of course, he would never admit that. That's, you know, that wasn't his mojo either. The cult leader doesn't turn around and go, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm trying to do. It was just, it was how he did it. And the, and the pattern was the same across the board. So, you know, you know, looking back that that was what he was doing. So, right. Yeah. And I was looking around the other night uh, and I did find a few, a few of those. <laughs> there's not, there's not just a few, uh, a few of those references to where he used uh, the Christian bulletin board scene back in the 1990s mm-hmm. or right around 2000. Right. I mean, well, mm-hmm. when Christian bulletin boards are still being used, uh, in which one person here posts uh, that uh, this is what he wrote. He says, this is a very dangerous group. I became completely brainwashed. I was never so scared or terrified of all of my life. The Lord mm-hmm. pulled me out of the situation, and I praise him. My wife did a remarkable job at finding ex-members to help me recover. And then he goes on to say, I mean, there's a lot he has to say, but he says, uh, here's how they work. They make it sound as if they as if they serve as a connection point for those who wish to join their church. The connection point, by means of their message board, their loser for Jesus 
message board, mm-hmm. which is a private one. It's something mm-hmm. they create uh, for for trolling. And here's an mm-hmm. excerpt. And this I would assume was written by Williams. He writes: Many of the individuals who contact us are looking for a church in the area that say that shares the same beliefs as we do. Unfortunately, we're seldom able to point them to a suitable fellowship. As Jesus said, the love of most grows cold in the last days, and finding a good church is extremely difficult. Right. And he would use those kinds of thoughts and ideas to go, oh, well, I'm not in a good Christian church. So they make you start doubting. He also uses his own righteousness and what supposedly God has done in his heart and life to attract right. those who are trying to live a holy life. And and it seems attractive at first. You're going, wow, this guy's never, you know, had adultery. Oh, wow, this guy's never, he had a long marriage. Oh, this guy is a good father. You, and you look at all these things that are supposed to be the fruit of the spirit that you're taught. And you go, why am I following this man over here that I know is, you know, not so perfect looking? Right. You know, I know that my pastor, for example, is maybe on his marriage, or I know that my group leader is. And you start looking at people's, they get you to start looking at people's fallen natures or, or mistakes in life. And, and here you are a new Christian or whatever, and you're trying to clean up your life. And you go, oh, well, I need to listen to somebody that's done it. I need to listen to somebody who has followed the Lord and been successful and it's such it seems logical and it seems scriptural but when you go back and you look at the heart of the Lord it's so off right and I fell into that I was on fire and excited about Jesus man I and without I mean I didn't as we all know, our journey with the Lord usually starts with me, myself, and the Lord. It's not really someone else involved. It is a personal experience that each of us encounters at one time or another in our life. And he he prays on that. As soon as he sees that, it's like there. That's, that's what he's looking for. Right. It is my love of God. And it is the love of God he's looking for to capitalize on. It is um, like that scripture I've shared with you before, a phone call. It is binding up that strong man that he could take over. And once he takes over somebody's walk with the Lord and you turn it away, you can plunder them. You can plunder their uh, spirit. You can plunder their finances. Yeah. You can plunder. Right. You can use that person. It is a slavery, and it is a spiritual slavery that the church is very unaware about. And yeah, completely, yeah, because yeah. these certain men have crept in unawares. They make right. it. They they look more Christian than Christians. Yes. Uh, the yes. apostle Paul said in, in John in Acts twenty. Listen, I've warned you people for three years. He was he was speaking to the Ephesian elders. I've warned you for three years that after I leave, there's going to be certain, certain ones of you who are going to rise up and try to draw away disciples after right. yourselves. And I, I warned right. you with crying. I wept. Right. I'm, I'm warning you right now. I'm looking right at the faces of people right now who have this, this ungodly desire to create their own problems. And, and Timothy Williams certainly sounds like a poster child for that, doesn't he? 
Yes, yes. Yeah. And um and and I've watched, you know, over the years I was there, I was there for 12, 12 solid years. Um which is I believe a, a good amount of time to see what I saw and and develop um some pretty solid things that God has shown me and things that I saw and witnessed. So what point um, did you actually but, get involved? I mean, uh, there yeah. was, I mean, he, he eventually left, uh, uh, Colorado and, Colorado. and, yes. and went to um, he His wife was, um, was a writer and she was writing Christian books that were geared toward, um, uh, raising up children for the Lord and toward mothers, you know? Um, so she was getting involved in the self, publishing industry um and going to writers conferences and she met um a fellow self uh publisher or a fellow writer her name was athena dean at the time she is now athena dean holtz um and they struck up a friendship on the same basis of wanting basically to be the best christians you you know you could possibly be i think I think that's a very important piece of my, my message here is you've got someone that, that's all in on the Lord and you've got someone I maybe even has a tendency to be a perfectionist in life anyway. And it can be a combination of pride that just really is toxic. And um, so this relationship developed between the two. And um, Athena and her husband at the time had um, started a publishing company self-publishing company and it, he was a vietnam vet and was trying to help vietnam vets at the time uh with ministry and the message of god to to help them through mm-hmm. gosh okay. the traumas that they had gone through and they were really successful and carla you know latched on to athena uh, i believe with you know with hopes that she could publish her book too you know and um and, then and this was called Winepress Publishing. It was it was quite popular, right. quite very well, doing very well right. for itself. Yes, yes. And they were located in Enumclaw, Washington. So this publishing company, uh, Athena and her husband, Chuck, at the time had started. Um, and Athena had come out of, um, anyway, that's a whole other story. I won't go into that. But they had started a publishing company in Enumclaw, Washington, and had there was a home church they were a part of with a group up there, and they had invited Carla and Timothy to come and see what was going on up there. And it was the, um, because they had all, Timothy had his ministry in Aurora, Colorado. And it was, you know, a match that was, that even Athena now, we all know, is, was not a good, not a good thing at all. Um, Except for Timothy, it was was propitious for him, wasn't it? Oh gosh, advantageous. He saw, he saw a group of people willing to do whatever and they're a publishing company. He can do materials for his, his teachings. Oh, match made in his mind, you know, paradise. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that happened and I I won't go into it. It's a really long story, but that happened and he ended up moving his entire family. And and the uh, followers that wanted to continue following Timothy, and he used um, he used an interesting method. He he never would ask you to follow him. He would make you seek the Lord if it was the Lord's will for you to follow, or if you know you had sin in your life, you 
couldn't come. So it was a never, it was never of, Hey group, come with me. It was always a situation of, are you worthy in the Lord to come with me? Are you (laughs) worthy to make, you know, to continue this journey of picking up your cross and, you know, hating your family at Luke 14, 26, yeah. people that's, can look that up, but it's a, a twist. I was going to say that's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's people a, would feel like it was a manipulation and a draw going, Oh my gosh, I want to be chosen. I want to be this holy. I want to be a part of something. <laughs> you know, it, it was just a horrible, um, the ultimate dangling of the carrot of for a stick, wouldn't it? Say that again? It was a dangling of the carrot. Uh, yes, a, yes. A, a little carrot and a lot of stick, as one cult leader called it. Right. And, and if you look back to the pattern is, it's the women that fall, follow. There wasn't a whole lot of men that continue to follow because I would say that's because uh, uh, unless you followed in line with Timothy and submitted to him, you know, wasn't going to really work out too well. And usually it was the women that did that. So, well, you know, men would wake up, you know, eventually. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately there's many divorces that follow, uh, right. families that followed into this cult as well. Right. This gentleman, yeah. I, 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 who's, who's BBS, uh, post I'm quoting here makes that very clear that, uh, there was a long, long lingering, Mm-hmm. Uh, that they that they put you through. He, he rewrites, uh, the following took place over a period of six months. I submitted yes. my application. They put it on hold to put it before yes. the Lord. The initial right. requirement was yes. to agree with 12 points of, of doctrine, which were not unusual, basic Christian beliefs, right. and listen to a tape. And then each step of the way, more requirements were added to become accepted as a member. And then as they go on and on, he goes on to say, you know, uh, he, he mentions all these lists and demands that uh, that uh, they would make them. And then he said, all this is pure deception. They add requirements along the way until you move to Edomclaw with or without your family. Well, they will then finally accept you as a member and probably only after being baptized by them. They, they are looking for someone that will be a submitted member. Yeah. If you, along the way show that you're going to be your own person in the Lord, you will not be accepted. And they don't tell you that they're going to use all these points and they're going to make you think that you're in sin or they're, you're, it is, it is what, and I'll, they, again, they didn't come out and say this, but right. when I saw what I saw, they are looking for <laughs> men who will submit to Timothy Williams and leadership. Right. That's bottom line. They have to be, you have to be all in or it won't work. They weren't into numbers. They were into control. Exactly. They wanted an absolute, totally sold out robot. Sold out. Right. Right. And, and, and you wouldn't know any of this because it wasn't no. something he hung around his, on, on his, around his neck with a sign to say. That's perfectly in keeping with when we, when we, when we read the Bible in Second Peter 2, we read there's false prophets among the people, as Peter writes. There will be. False prophets, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what we're hearing. Uh, there's so mm-hmm. much lingering. There's so much beckoning. It's a seduction, basically. 
a spiritual yes, seduction. A spiritual seduction. And, and it's, and it's the view, um, I liken it to, well, I'm get too deep as we discussed, but it is using the love of the Lord against you. It is a, right. an abuse that is not <laughs> talked about a whole lot. Right. And it's, devastating i will right. say the least and um and it's been a long road of recovery right yeah to come out of us and it's spiritual abuse yeah so when he so he moved out there he found athena mm-hmm. dean and her and her husband and this small group of christians trying to do the work mm-hmm. of the lord right he how did he become leader and, and then at what point how did you get involved with all this what, what was going on at, at that time um, from, I, I'll give a, a brief explanation. There's of course a whole nother story behind all that, but. Right, um, sure, sure. So he, he went up there and basically, uh, said, I'll, you know, he was invited to be the leader and, uh, of this group. And there was, there was a pushback at the time by a couple of the men. And rightly so, when I hear the story, I think they were doing the right thing, but, he then pulled a manipulation tactic on all of them and said, well, I'm packing up basically right now. You know, you, you basically, if you're not going to, if we're not going to do this, then I'm leaving. Basically I'm, this is your, it, it's your time now to decide if this is the Lord or not, you know, don't let me decide. That was kind of like, it's not, you know, so, um, it was a manipulation tactic and it worked. I, that was how he ended up being the leader. So he said, if I'm in, I'm going basically all in. We're, we're doing this all the way. You know, like I said, complete control was his, he was not going to lead a group of people that were questioning him. It was complete control or nothing. Right. And, uh, like I said, pushback happened, but, uh, whatever he said, it worked and, um, he became the leader and moved us and the whole family moved up there. They took over the home that, uh, they were given the home as, as a, a pastorage, you know, um, to his family and, uh, from Athena, Athena owned it and they gave up their, gave up them their home and he, uh, started the ministry up there and I would say they probably were around, oh, I don't know how many years at that point that I got involved, but they had been up there for a little while before I got involved. And, um, he started right away doing his, uh, self-publishing works. And that's where, uh, Hating for Jesus was his first book. Um, Christianity Today even made an article about it and made, right. made a lot of waves because of the, the title. Uh, but it was based on Luke fourteen twenty six, and of course his version of how that applies in the church. And um, I say his version because it is um, everything. His application of these scriptures were, or just astoundingly um, his own version. And of course he thinks, um, well, or knows not. That's debatable too. Um, that that is the how the Lord would want them to be interpreted, and. Um, so, uh, those books came out that, that was the book they would be sending out to people that they were prospecting or that would reach out to them because they saw their website or message board or got a hold of their tapes. They started producing sermon tapes and sending them out and right. people, you know, on the website, you'd get free sermon tapes and 
So the group I was um, a part of, or I can say group, it was a church, uh, a legitimate, wonderful, loving church, I would say, I was a part of. And I have wonderful memories. Um, Did, were you, were you living church. in Washington at that point, uh, no, Kyle? I was, no, this was a, a church in Kennedale, Texas, that I was a part of. It was non-denominational. Um, it was a loving uh, group of people. So I w- would have to say I was still a new Christian. I was unaware of really evil in the church at that kind. Of, I just would have never thought. And right. that would be my young age right. Right. and my naivety of just Christianity in general. Um, but I was a new new Christian. and um, How did you come across them? Years. Say that again? How did you come across uh, them? So, yeah, so this uh, church we went to, uh, they, um, some of the members that we became really good friends with, um, he was um, a deacon in the church and would have a Bible study midweek and we were friends and we did it on our own together. And that, um, and this would be something I would say was probably not the best thing, but, um, it created it created a separation from the protection we had of the of our main church. Okay, is what happened. Um, but at the same time, it was a wonderful fellowship time that we had among friends. And then that is where other teachings were introduced. We were exploring all sorts of different teachings from other uh, pastors and of the time, um, and discussing them, and you know, uh, looking up the scriptures and. And having fellowship over the things that we were learning. And it was wonderful. We were having a great uh, time of growing, of growth and growing in love and all, all those things until we came across Sound Doctrine tapes. And uh, they introduced them. And it brought great discussion among all of us. But um, this is where I'd say this is where we were seeking holiness. And we were ecstatic to do it. We thought it was God's will to do so, which I would say it is, you know, but not realizing the trap that without careful um, prayer and careful, uh, what do you call it, mentorship and um, experienced mentorship, that it can lead you down a wrong path. And I believe the church is, um, is very unequipped in this specific problem. Um, well, it certainly sounds that way. I mean, if uh, you have this uh, deacon that's doing his own small group type thing, and he's doing a lot of approval of his church elders, somebody checked yeah. out somewhere and something got right. lost. Right, right. And and again, it's it's. I, I don't want to squash, you know, good things. Good things no. are good, and and it was good, but. Right. There was a protection and he could, the deacon did come around. It was, it's something I want to give him credit for is he realized what was going on, but it was too late by the time me and my husband at the time had um, already fallen in too far deep. Right. And the warning, the warn, we did get, um, we did have people try to turn us back around. Um, But again, we had, fallen into the trap of the teachings of Timothy Williams at that point. It was too late. 
and not to okay we that's where i we take i take responsibility i had a, an opportunity as well to back off and and not do it and my own pride and sin went forward you know so some of this stuff isn't i can't completely put it on you know everybody else it's i'm, I'm not I'm a victim, but at the same time, I made choices too, and I'm responsible for those. So um, we did, my husband at the time, we picked up our family, and we did exactly, we became that submittal family, and they, um, they were telling, they did not tell us to move up there, but because of the manipulation, we were like, we want to come, you know, we, right. we want to be a part of you. And so we kind of just, jumped you know and made the jump and i think it kind of scared them a little bit because usually they're having to bait and fish for a while you know and we were like no we're coming and um that was the zeal we had it was just the zeal for the wrong per you know it was the wrong zeal which scripture does talk about that right. um so that's uh, we moved up there in 2002. Um, 9/11 had just happened. I believe that it was like I think a lot of people were just in awe that that it was a uh, in the Christian world like wow what's going on in the world that right. our you know twin towers could be just totally bombed before our eyes and what's God do, what's God doing and where where am I at and and God's scheme of things and you know it was a lot of questioning so the timing of it was pretty um perfect to you know grab a grab a whole family and and Lovely take lesson. it over yep so we moved up there 2002 and um got definitely were love bombed you know and we'll you know the the women of the church you know here let me help you you know do this and that but very clearly right away too they were uh, confronting you about who you are and why you do certain things and you needing to follow the Holy Spirit in everything you do. I mean, down to, ah, uh, gosh, I mean, uh, I still kind of deal with that today, uh, to be honest, is, is, you know, feeling like I have to pray about every little thing, which again, prayer can be a, a song. Prayer can be a walk not necessarily a rote prayer about should I go in this room? Should I take my children to the park today? You know, uh, it's a walk and, and it turned into, there's a scripture that God showed me as I was leaving. That really helped me is that um, it says, mark my words. I, Paul tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. And that's Galatians 5, 2. Because yeah. when you replace the Holy Spirit with that kind of fear and somebody else's voice, it's not Christ that becomes your walk anymore. It's not Christ who you're really turning to. Right. It's Timothy or it's the approval of the um person that's living with you that is watching your every move because it will be reported to leadership it's it become you you have to replace it because if you follow christ you wouldn't put up with it if that makes sense you wouldn't be the submitted member anymore because following christ is christ is your head and christ will not 
go along with the behaviors that are to take advantage of you. He is there not to hurt you. Even though they, even though they reach out and uphold this high standard of ethics and morality and, and claim to be a sound doctrinal church, you know, type mm-hmm. of place, their behavior becomes just the opposite. Right. And, uh, from, from what I read, what this, this gentleman goes on to say is that, you know, it, it was just a long, drawn out process. It's, you know, that they're, right. that they're to pray about either visiting, that they're listening to this tape or that tape. And, right. And then, uh, and then they separate them. And then they instructed this gentleman to separate himself from his family for at least three days to seek the Lord. Right. And, and to bring one of his children with him when, when he visits. So, I mean, right. this is how he's working in. This is what we talked about in Second Kings right. too. They secretly bring in this destructive heresies and, and, and these 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 devices of control, and right. that's, and that's and what's working on you. They, they become the Holy Spirit. And, and right, it right. And of course, they would never admit that. They would never. Right. And they're they're many of them are brainwashing themselves. Now, Timothy's a leader of all this, so I believe he believes. I mean, I believe he is very aware of what he's doing. Um, but the people that are following, again, his whole goal was to find people that did love God, you know. So what he's doing is taking away what God has given people. He's trying to snuff it out. It is literally steal, kill, and destroy. It is the very, it's very subtle and, and over time. And, and Raphael, the, by the end of my journey there, I was literally in my laying on the floor going, Lord, I'm dying inside. This was a dying. My, the Lord knew that he gave me the choice. And this is where God is so amazing. God is not a, he doesn't force you, but he's there. He's there warning you along the way he's there speaking what's right all along the way and you're con you're conflicted because you know because you were you're a child of god and so you know the right way to go but you're being so twisted and manipulated you feel like you're going to go to hell and you're between you're literally choosing between heaven and hell on a daily basis and it's so emotionally draining and it was so abusive and i did i got to a point and, and god gave me the choice like do you want to live or die he gave me the choice. I'm like, I want to live. He's like, then babe, you know what to do. And you got to be able to be willing to walk. You got to be willing to, you talk about scared. I could lose my family. I could lose everything by yeah. choosing the Lord at that moment after investing my whole life following this man. So, so you were led into a process when you and your mm-hmm. your then husband and your and moved up there and mm-hmm. began getting involved, began involved with the group. There was a process of indoctrination that led you to actually believe that there was that just your normal facilities of making decisions and, mm-hmm. and listening to God's spirit and, and and just just a normal flow of, of of cognitive thought that you had had to be constantly doubted. Yes. And constantly push aside. Constant. And that and that you had to hate for Jesus what mm-hmm. it is you felt that, that you that you understood yes. right. Right. Because you needed to pick up your cross. So those kinds of things would be things that you would like to do. 
and and it's and it's not so rote like that because you're oh, yeah, not yeah. presenting it like that. But yes, you're having to constantly fight against the flesh, and you're going, "Is oh my gosh, is this my flesh? Or is this a spirit?" And it you get confused, and you know who the author of confusion is. So at the same time, you're being taught that that's a normal struggle of the spirit. And it's right. like I said, they're replacing everything that God had placed into you that you knew was good, noble, and loving right. and true. You yeah. had good judgment before. All of a sudden, right. you have to doubt yourself. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, like this is one requirement that this gentleman writes that they sent him. He says, uh, joining Sound Doctrine Church is about following Jesus close enough to honor one another above yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a decision you should make in the power of the Spirit. A power that you, that he could give because you hate your own life, deny right. yourself and carry right. a cross. And, and, right. but, but they extend this denial and hatred and self, you know, uh, crucifixion. They raise up to a point where they completely destroy who you are. Your, right. the good judgment that, you know, your ability to think for yourself critically. They right. tell you, no, that's all got to go. We've got to replace it with what, with what we tell you right. Is, right. is, 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 is the truth. And, and little weird ways that they even did, I like, they had you sign things that they, it's like he knew those weren't good things to do, like, uh, legally or whatever. So you had to sign documents that you agreed to do certain things. Um, you had to, just so he had, if he ever were taken probably to court, he could say, Hey, he, they agreed to this. Look, I have, I have their signature right here. And you get locked in like that too. You're like, I signed this, but you didn't feel like you had a choice either. They would also, they would ostracize you. They would bring you before the church. They would put people, um, they would put put you into the outcast I call it the outcast house whatever house they choose like it was a family that was probably not in his good graces and they put you in a room and you just bring them meals for a week and they weren't allowed to come in fellowship with anybody and they were uh they wow. they they messed with you you were your life was they actually created a doghouse wow no one in a, <laughs> a doghouse but someone's room in a home, an extra bedroom. That would be your home for a week. You could only come out for necessities. You weren't allowed to talk to anybody. They would use those kinds of methods to um to keep well, you in line. Well, or, what would or to let... make you and then you would have to you would have to sometimes try to figure out what your sin was. They wouldn't even tell you. Okay. You're in there going, I've got to figure out what I did to deserve this. Right. What and that it, makes what, you and, and that makes you pretty susceptible at that point, pretty suggestible. Mm-hmm. Because they'll come and up to you and say, right. You have to write papers and research and, and convince him that you are sorry or you are repenting of whatever it is you did. And, uh-huh. um, eventually they even had my ex, my ex husband. He was a computer programmer, very talented computer programmer. And he, I, I think there got some, there was so much going on. He couldn't. Uh, control everybody he found out that he could message board and use the message board and have us log in and control us that way yeah and so we'd have to if we didn't log in within a certain amount of, or respond to him in a certain amount of time you could be in trouble if we didn't 
respond a certain way, you could be in trouble. I, I worked, um, I worked at there. They had a, um, an in town in Enumclaw. They had a bookstore, their own Christian bookstore, make sure that they had their books in there, but they carried other Christian items as too, because they had to draw people in. And there was an, ex- they had an espresso, uh, shop cafe there that they had put in as just, you know, draw people in. And I, to this, I can't remember what I did. I had something about the message board. I hadn't responded or something, but I was working at this bookstore. Um, and I got a phone call and he would call up there and I tell you, he yelled at me so loud. The guy, there was a, there was a customer right next to me and he looked at me and I looked at him and I didn't know what to do. I was so embarrassed, shocked. And I remember trying to be quiet and I'm like, you know, Pastor Timothy, you know, there's a customer. He's like, I don't care. Care if there's a customer. He, he would light into you and um, I would clean his, I'd clean his house. You became a slave. I cleaned his house. I cleaned the church. I cleaned the bookstore and my home and watched other people's children and worked the bookstore and went to church Wednesdays and Sundays <laughs> and right. didn't see my husband at the time for 60 hours a week. Yeah. Right. And it was purposely done that way. The point was to break up a family because you keep that man not in charge of his family. He's not going to take that family away. Okay. So that, so that was his rationale for, for getting into marriages that weren't compliant enough to him. Right. Well, there were, but there were marriages that, that, that weren't, that were though. They were useful to him, weren't there? Yeah. Like for my, Mine was useful. I was watching the children, and he was programming. And my husband was the programmer for the the publishing company. He needed Kevin, and he needed me to watch the kids. But okay. that didn't mean he wanted us, me and Kevin, to have a relationship. Right now, he would say so, but he, the way the whole cult worked was, you turned against everybody. Was telling on everybody. No one had a. No one could have a true friendship or relation or intimate relationship anymore. It was hijacked. Every single relationship that you had was hijacked. Monitored. I had no, we, there was no girlfriends. We weren't girlfriends up there. You can talk to anybody that has left. We had a bond that I, I am still friends with a few people. We had a, a bond because we went through what we went through together. Right. We have a bond because we, um, we were spiritually in the same boat right. and that's our bond. Um, but were we able to develop a real friendship? Absolutely not. Right. In fact, we were made to not like each other. So that would be what you would hear like, Oh, I don't, and there's even some, uh, ex group members that won't talk to you because you were made to not really like them. Right. They were made to be your disciplinarian or, he would have me call somebody and say something I would never have ever called and said. And I knew if I didn't, my consequences were harsher than me making that phone call. And right. you were made to think, well, I'm obeying. Yeah. So you were turned into the abuser as well. Right. And you didn't know that. You were mm-hmm. you were drawn into this process by the best of intentions. 
You felt right. that this so was what God wanted you to do. Right, right. So the intentions of the people coming are actually good. What you end up being is turned into something that you're not. And, right. um, and, and you know what, Raphael? Sadly, there are truth and realities you know better. And that's the shame that I think we need to talk about. There's a shame in that when you know and, and God is speaking to you along the way, telling you it's not right. And you continued in it. And so it's, it's something when you, when people say, I have to forgive myself after an experience like this, it's real. It's right. a, you know, I did things I would never have ever done. Right. And I knew better. And these are mistakes in judgment. You really genuinely felt, as you said, without mm-hmm. the best of intentions, that it was perfectly mm-hmm. fine for Pastor Timothy to, I mean, to just completely run you down in public. This, this was, this was a normal way that Christian ministers and Christian fellowship was to proceed. Mm-hmm. And of course, the stranger looking at you probably didn't know what to think, but he's trying to oh, figure he, out what. Yeah. It, you know, right. Me, but, He's dumbfounded. Didn't know, right. Didn't know what to say. I mean, it, it would be great if we all had, you know, people that were willing to go, Hey, are you okay? But even if he had, that's another piece of being in a cult. We couldn't tell the truth. I wouldn't be able to turn to somebody and say, Hey, that was my pastor tune, you know, tune me out because I didn't sign in on a message board in time or I didn't say the right thing. How in the heck are you going to be able to explain that to a rational human being? Right. There isn't, there isn't any way other than to say that he's not a pastor. He's something else. He's yeah. one of these false teachers and false right. pastors that, that, that the Bible clearly refers to as people that will arise and do what they can to, uh, to entice, as the scripture says there in verse 14, unstable souls. You're instabil- right. You're probably a very stable person before you got there, but yes. you were persuaded <laughs> everyone right. is led down this primrose path of conditioning yes. that enables mm-hmm. them to be unstable, to become fluid, to become people right. that can be molded. And that's where the, right. that's where the mind control really works. Right. That's where it, it right. exerts itself, but you, ne- you don't know it's that, 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 that's what that is. No one's told right. you that. You just that's right. this was, like, That's why I say there's that naivety that comes like people really do this stuff. Absolutely. And it, it rocked my world. I would say it's still to this day because it's not who I am. It's not what I grew up with. It's not. I was clueless that someone could be so manipulative and evil. Right. Yeah. And that just comes with, you know, I mean, how old were you when this took place? I mean, that just comes with. How much? How old? 25. I was 25, 26. You you and your husband were just starting out. Not everybody has the life experience that teach you that people can be that way. Right. I mean, you learn, I mean, I've learned pretty quickly. I mean, but, but by the age of Mm -hmm. 20, 22, 23, I understood that there were deceivers and they were out there and I got it and I needed to watch out for them. But, but 90% of people never get that. They could, can't get their minds and heads around right. the fact that there are right. people that in the name of Jesus will lie to your face. Right. Right. How could you say, like to me, how could I even put Jesus in that same sentence? It would be so, 
against like inside me, I feel like my spirit would just burn. I, I don't, you would, so there, you know, so I've, one thing I've learned is, you know, some of these scriptures have really come to life to me, just like the one about the binding up the strong man. I never understood that, but I saw it. Once you see it and you see and experience something, some of these scriptures, like the evil one, you know, the ones that are talking about, um, Satan and how he operates in, in that situation uh-huh. deals above, but you see and you understand. And, um, what did so you say I about have, we, we were talking yeah. about that before we got on the phone about the stronghold yeah. scripture? Uh, could you read that again as so we can because you made a really sure. good point with it? Yeah, um, it is Matthew 12 29 says, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off? his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man then he can plunder the house so that's why families are important or and again not everybody as we know today has a strong you know uh, father figure or, or husband but that's where the church and and even men friends come in for for women and even even young men i'm not going to even say that this is just all a man having to be over a woman this is people around us being protectors it's when you take away that strong person that is there to protect you or or make sure you know that you're spiritually okay or even financial let's just say on a regular level and you you take their authority away and you take away their their um meaning in your life, then you're susceptible for somebody else to come along, right? So it says right here that he first ties up the strong person. You got to get to that strong person first. Then you're able to plunder. Yes. Second opinions matter. That's why you have family and friends speaking to you. You're the ones that are in the place to get your eyes. Hey, you need to rethink this again. You need to really consider what you're doing. But then again, you can tie up a strong man by by him allowing you to do so, and you're thinking right. that this is not this is this is totally beneficial right. because you're dying to yourself. To my, right, and that's what happened to my ex. It, that's something you know uh, I've struggled with. You know, um, there's there's healing things and reflection and things like that. That there's things in his life that he um, that uh, that those are for him to to talk about. I'm not gonna talk about his his personal life but there there are things that he dealt with that that that's why he probably allowed that to happen to his family right. whereas another man may not have been dealing with being so susceptible to a situation like that right. um and he would have said not on my watch are you going to treat my family like that and he would have gotten his family right. right out of there right not all men you know have that or and and that was part of Timothy's also um, a, um, a manipulative uh, evil person. They're looking for those weaknesses. So the it's different for everybody. You'll hear anybody that came out of this group that they were treated differently because Timothy would find out how he needed to go after each person differently. Right. So it so there was cookie cutter scriptures, but how they applied to you was different i was treated different than my friend that is out now she was treated with a lot more love and respect it made it harder for her to leave 
because she got a lot of more of the love and the love bombing manipulations. She, she was plundered in a different way. And that's right. just the bottom line. Whereas right. I was uh, called every name in the book, Saul, Judas, all the, har- I mean, I was called and I, I had to one day step back and go, how can I be all of these evil people? That would mean I would be Satan himself. So that logical came later that, you know, at the time I was devastated to be called all these horrible people in the scriptures. But when you step back and you finally start getting your faculties back and you're not allowing him to be in charge of you anymore, and you're going to let the Lord and his truth start coming back into your life, you start realizing the lies you were told. Because it's not possible for someone to be spiritually all those people. Because if right. so, I would be Satan himself, right? Right. So you went up there yeah. and you got plugged <laughs> in. You became the laborer. You guys became the perfect compliant worker drones for him. Right. And when you didn't, and, and, and everyone, of course, was in this cult, this church, claiming that how many people were all together? I mean, at, at, at its highest and when you were there. Um, I think it got up to about, a hundred, I would say at one point, that's, you know, that's really hard. I, um, people would come and go. Um, yeah. So what was so that, what was the point that you 60, began? Uh, 60? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. We just know it was, it was a small group. It wasn't large. It right. any extensive there. So, uh, right. So he you wasn't went about there. the numbers. He was about control. And right, exactly. He wanted to completely control, and he, right. and he got that. Uh, and, yeah. and then through that, he gained access and made control over the wine press publishing and, and its, and its income flow, right. its cash flow. He began to live very well. Right. In, in the meantime, you're there just doing what you felt you needed to do to hate for Jesus and do what was right. right. Uh, but, uh, you're just going around. Was this moment in which he had this outburst at the coffee shop? Was that the moment that maybe you began thinking, is this what I, what, what I really signed up for? Or what, what was that moment that you began to really thinking, maybe there's more to it than this? Um, I would say I had several moments along the way. I wouldn't say that that was my turning point. I think there's one thing when you're, trying to love is that love that was another teaching of the Lord love covers over a multitude of sins so I would say there was just when you get when you would get hurt or you would feel wronged or whatever then that's where that forgiveness in your heart would come or you would try to get understanding and each time you would try to convince yourself so I would say just over time so what really I think broke the camel's back for me, um, or the breaking away, um, would be there was a, uh, and the assistant pastor was accused of sexual abuse to one of the, uh, members' children. And he lived with this family and there was a sexual abuse case. And when something like that, so that is such a, huge um thing that's that's like that's not like oh i chose a coke instead of a a set of water one day kind of problem this is you're talking about someone's child someone i i fellowshiped with all the time 
And for something like that to happen, you better be getting on your face and finding out where you're at. It was very, um, it's kind of one of those rubber meets the road. Like, Carla, what are you doing? You've had lots of red flags along the way. Right. What are you doing? You know, and so I would say that is really, you. it's like the games are over. You know what I mean? Right. It's like. You got to look um, deeper. You got to figure you out. Gotta, you got to, right. This is, this is no small cookie. This is not, this is not, and it's not that I ever thought it was funny. It was serious all the way through. Right. But. And this is a Scottish preacher. His name was Malcolm Frazier. Right now he's doing 20 years. Right. Uh, right now, and he, he was convicted, and uh, what, 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 the church stood behind him completely, didn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. That's, and I will, I will say, Raphael, that's a whole other story podcast. To, <laughs> yeah. To really. I can go, imagine. That, so that's a deep. That's deep. I will. Yeah. <laughs> have to tell you. Right. So. Um, but, but but in essence, yeah. he, he was hailed as misunderstood, and that the evidence was all stacked against him. And he made his appeals. He's still in jail. He's convicted sex offender. He is right. who he is. But he had this reputation of being completely pure and holy, and and right. uh, and, and and being actually, you know, definitely a henchman uh, for Timothy Williams. Yes, I mean, this this, this gentleman yeah. that we've been quoting from his his past, his uh, I mean, his post. Uh, goes on. He enumerates several different things there, as this as this gentleman was fighting through figuring out what to do after living basically in terror of having to leave his wife. Uh, he yeah. began to question. He goes on to say, "It's disappointing." This is a post, an email. He sent this person. He said, "It is disappointing, if not unexpected, to find that you've now resorted to spreading slander, gossip, and false accusation to justify yourself and cover over your own sin." What was his sin? It wasn't thinking the way they wanted him to. And then he goes on to quote Proverbs twenty-one twenty-eight: "A false witness will perish, and whoever listens to him will be destroyed forever." Love in Christ, Malcolm. This is supposedly pastoral input. Right. <laughs> this is right. pastoral counsel. And to me, as a pastor, as having been a pastor for many years, I can tell you that's just plain out and out manipulation. Right. Absolute right. Uh, shame yeah. bearing. Yeah. And, uh, and and I don't know how I'll be on. I I don't know how he became so. I'm going to call it sold over to Tim to be able to take on a position like that or. Or Tim had it in his brain to to have him be a fall guy all along anyway. Um, I, I don't know, and that you know, I'd, I'd have to say that's the hard thing about uh, when you try to talk about others that were in this group because everybody else had such a different experience, right? right. And so, and, right, right, but there's commonalities here, which you're you right. seeing here. There's dynamics right. the of how they operate. The yeah, right. manipulation's the same. Everyone has their own unique hell that they're putting. Right, in. there you go. That's a great way to put it, Raphael. Yeah. Exactly. So, you, you think um, of Dante's Inferno, which there were levels of hell, different, different wardrooms and, and, and crevices. Yes. This is exactly right. what a cult does. It creates everybody as their own unique bondage to this mm-hmm. fear 
of damnation. Right. right. Fear of damnation. Absolutely. And that was definitely used. And, um, and Timothy would present himself as someone that's been able to pick up his cross. So that was another manipulation used, like, follow me because I have learned to do it. I have, you know, I have hated my family. He did. He disowned his oldest son, Shelby. He, um, because Shelby realized that his dad was a cult leader and, and, supposedly he lied to his dad and whatever. And of course probably realized that, you know, what his dad was and stood up to him or went along, you know, said, fine, see you later. Bye. I don't know all those details, but the point is, is he's not talked to his son. You know, he kicked him out, put his bag out on the porch. And that was the end of the oldest son. And the younger two sons saw that and they know it could happen to them too. Right. That's fear. It is. It's very unique, and, and in any cult, that's very tailored. It's mm-hmm. made very personal, and, right. and 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 their punishment, the punitive nature of so-called Christian discipline is 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 tailor-made. This is off the rack, like you said. Yeah, there's different things they do that we know are coming, but they make it so personal that it completely right. blindsides you. You couldn't believe right. that you've been right. going this way, but right. it, it was. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, so I would say that 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 court case um, came, and then I started. After that, you start seeing, you start going. Am I going to allow my children to keep being treated this way? Am I going to allow myself to be, you know? And then when you're having the Lord just be His gentle, loving, He it, He was there. He never left. I I squashed His voice. I learned to not listen to him. It's something I still am trying to, uh, re- you know, uh, heal from. But when you've got that and he's going, well, do you want to live? Carla, it's your choice. It's your choice if you're going to you know, be healed. That's really what he's saying. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to live or do you want to die? Staying here, he said, oh, you will die. You'll make that choice. Right. And that's scary to hear God give you such a finite two choices. Right. And he did it in such a loving way. I knew it was, you know, you, you got, I knew it was the Lord, you know, you're just like, okay, you know, I want to live Lord. And I knew mm-hmm. what I needed to do. And you start looking around, seeing how everybody's treated and you're going, I'm not going to allow that anymore. And so the final straw was I stood up for my children. And when I did that, I pretty much ostracized myself. I knew I would. I knew it would pretty much just be the final straw of nobody talking to me ever again, you know. But I went and I picked up my children from one of the one of the ladies that was supposed to be my sister in Christ, and they were not. Um, they were spies. They were, the manipulations were going on with the children too. So. Yeah. I was tired of it. There was a situation going on. And, um, of course the cult would deny, you know, my, my version of it, but I'm not going to get into the story because that's not the point. The point is, is it was happening and it needed to stop. And mama bear came out and went and picked up her children. Mm -hmm. And that was the end. And my, what was interesting is I had no idea if my ex or my husband would stay. I knew at this point I would be possibly breaking up my entire family by making this move. And um, 
he and we hadn't even had church a long time. They shut down church. That was another manipulation that we use. Like we're in all the congregation is so much sin that we can't even meet for church kind of stuff. Wow. And um so that was going on too. And um so anyway, once I did that and I shared what I had done with um my husband, he was like, gosh, I've been, you know, I've been waiting for a long time for you to do something. He goes, I've been wanting to leave for a long time. But he couldn't. That's the how bound we were that yeah. we couldn't turn to one another and go, let's leave. Yeah. He had to wait until he knew I was not tied to that cult to take his family out. We were so deep. Right. Yeah. And so you left, and how, how did you leave? You just, just up and left, moved out? Um, we had, well, their last-ditch effort was to have the, there was a a boy that was the same age as my oldest boy to call and try to turn our oldest son against um, his parents. <laughs> how was he supposed um, to do that? He called uh, your son? Calls, yeah. Um, I can't, it's so hard to explain. (laughs) It's like, it doesn't even make sense. I know it's so out there. The manipulation was just so, uh, um, yeah. So I had to take over the phone and I hated doing it. I love this boy. We're, we're friends to this day. Practically I babysat this boy for so many years. So it's, it's a joy for me to watch him like on social media. We don't talk on the phone, but it's a joy to see him and his journey recovering. Um, but I had to be really mean on the phone I hated it, but it had to be done and it cut the tie between that boy and my son. Um, and so that was one of the last ditch efforts. Um, I think we got maybe, uh, somebody, another phone call from the, the woman that I took the kids, you know, when I took my kids from just a few phone calls, but I think at this point, Pretty much everybody was right. I was kind of a black sheep. I feel like of the whole cult anyway. I didn't seem, I seemed to get in trouble all the time. <laughs> so, they might have been ready to get rid of me. I think I, I, I asked a lot of questions along the way and that wasn't usually a good thing. Oh yeah. So um, I kind of, I, I don't know. It's hard because I don't, I didn't get to see what they were saying on the other side. I only was on the receiving end. So I can only conjecture of why I was treated this, you know, some of the ways I was and talking to some ex-members kind of put some puzzle pieces in for me um, of why things happened to me the way they did. Like, for example, I was flown out to North Carolina for a court case because um, there was a lady that her and her husband, she was a part of the group and her husband wasn't, and they divorced. And part of the divorce was he was trying to get custody of the children or get them away because she was in this cult and she was homeschooling. And so the cult was trying to make it a freedom to homeschool issue and a religious a freedom issue mm-hmm. and um, made it a huge big deal. And yeah, in this um, case, yeah, it was quite, quite yes. a big deal. And, and so I was out flown, there. And I was flown out there to possibly uh, to kind of help with the kids of another family uh, of of her children and another family. And um, that's what I thought I was out there for is kind of be that help in the household because all this meet the media was all over the place, all over this court case. And um, 
that's I thought that's what I was there for. Well, when I get out, of the, and then when I oh, and uh, the husband of this other woman that I stayed with while I was out there, she he was not a he was not in the cult. So, I my job was to present a good front. You know, we were there to present our cult in a positive way in a positive light, you know, and, um, so I had many good conversations with her husband to kind of put him at ease that we weren't, you know, weirdos, even though we were, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, and then I was all of a sudden called up and said, you're getting on a plane back home. Like basically you're in trouble. And I'm like, Whoa, what did I do? I come back to being sat in a circle saying that I didn't call them enough. I didn't keep them, the group, the cult informed enough of everything that was going on that I had kept things in the dark and that I was being too friendly with the husband. I was, I was like inundated. I'm like, where is this coming from? And that was, and I was so confused, Raphael. I was in so much trouble and had only gone over there to help. I didn't see anything that I had done that I could figure out that I was in sin over. You know what I mean? I was just so dumbfounding and hurtful and manipulative. And then after I got out of the group, lo and behold, guess what puzzle piece fell into place. My mom was called by this man, the the husband that was, that was divorcing this uh, cult, the girl, the lady cult member. My mom was called because my mom had been vocal about me going in this group and she was going to be a witness. I did not know this. They did not tell me this, that my mom was called as a witness. They put me out there in case she went on the stand and didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. So they had a plan for me. The plan fell through because she didn't end up getting on the stand. And I was flown home. That was the only reason. I wasn't in. They had to come up with some spiritual problem, sin that I had done. And it was all because the need for me out there was, I wasn't needed anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, the situation had changed, and uh, now you're no longer useful, and they had it. Right. And, and, and that kind of stuff. And I had my, my brother had called. They didn't <coughs> ever tell me. My brother had tried to get a hold of me. He had called the FBI. Um, I didn't know all this. And so I think some of the the reason why I was treated so much differently is because my family was causing problems in the background and I was unaware Mm. and I was being disciplined a lot for what my family was doing in the background. And they they, they couldn't be decent enough to explain to you that your mother was being viewed as a threat. So they took it out on you and you didn't know it. Right. Yep. Typical cultivation. They 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 yep. do things side hand to keep you off balance, so they don't want to keep right. it as if you're in cahoots with them somehow. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah. So I'm, yeah, and yeah. and we would tell on each other. It's like, okay, so I'm calling up my mom behind you guys' back. Okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. just horrible, yeah. horrible. So uh, you guys uh, yeah. finally did you did you all leave there finally then to move back to Texas or no we we actually were able to um, buy a home and so we stayed in home and tried to start all over our lives where we were um, the the boys had grown up and at this point had been um, 
had developed through Boy Scouts, we were able, thank God, I, I thank God for the Boy Scouts every day. It was like our only outside connection to, to other people. And my boys would say the same. Um, but they, um, they had those kind of connections and I had actually made a couple outside friendships. So it, it wasn't feasible to go all the way from Washington back to Texas. And plus at the same time, we had just we had disconnected for our family for 12 years. Yeah, They were in a sense, strangers to our children and to us at this point. And the humble pie that we knew that we'd have to eat, which we knew we would, it wasn't like we didn't want to. It was, it was just so painful sure. to know yeah. what we had done sure. and done to our families. Yeah. So it wasn't like we jumped up and just went back home. Now, we did jump up and do a visit. We did fly back and try to do a visit, and I tried very hard to start reconnecting with my family over the phone and trying to go to special events. Like there was a wedding I was invited to. I'm like, let's go. Um, unfortunately, it didn't seem to be that my ex, um, my husband at the time and I were not on the same page on healing, to be honest. Um, we were very, um, broken people Yeah. and, um, hard to talk about. Sure. I understand. You just say, say what you can. I understand that. That certainly was something that, uh, it's painful for anyone to think about how, how mar- right. marriages don't always survive. It's right. So I think the years of us being so divided and so put against each other and just the hours that he was away. And um, and then on top of that, then you put on top of that the emotional and spiritual abuse, abuse both of us had gone through. The healing afterwards was not so easy and a lot of the behaviors he wanted to continue I could say he wanted to but I didn't know if he knew what else to do and so that was that's a journey I'd have to let him share I can't I'm not going to speak for him on that I don't think it's fair right right. but I went I went to counseling I knew what I needed to do so I tried to do what I needed to do and I, I found a wonderful counselor woman to speak with and basically her big thing for me was is Carla you just need to find you're 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 upside down basically you don't trust what's real and what's not and so all she really did was basically going when I would speak with her and when I was telling her the decisions I was making at the time just she was just very encouraging like Carla you're thinking for yourself Carla, that is thinking for yourself. Right. Yes, that is a very logical thought because my my thinking was not right, right. coming out of the group. Right. Um. So it was her her method of healing was very. Um. She didn't use a lot of scripture. She was a Christian, but that really wasn't what I needed. It wasn't scripture I needed, and that's another thing that I think people run to. I got to go to a Christian counselor. No, these people are broken. They they have lost their freedom. They have lost their confidence. And they have been bludgeoned um, in their psyche. They need confidence. They need to know that they're thinking for themselves because they don't know anymore. They're not sure. Right. 
And um, the spiritual stuff can come later, but you really just kind of have to get your, you know, your confidence back, your your being back, just your on identity. a very basic level. Yeah, your identity. And, I mean, you've been yeah, broken your identity down. was stripped. Like, what do you? That was one thing. She's like, "What do you like, Carla?" Well, I'm not. I think it's these things. Well, go do those things. You know, see if you still like them, because it's. It, Many years have come back, you know, gone past since you liked that one thing that you got to do 20 years ago. You know what I mean? It's like just getting a Coke and not feeling bad about it. Right. Yeah, and that's or, one of the things that we hope to cover later. Um, yeah. I'm going to have a, a, a few people on who are, who are mental health professionals discuss, but one of the things in recovery from a place like a cult is that it's so personal and it has to be, it has to be dealt with so intentionally. Uh, I mean, I remember reading the, 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 the account of one woman who had realized that, uh, I believe she was a Jehovah's Witness, I believe, and she found out that the Watchtower Society was not, she realized it came to conclusion it could not be and it was not the exclusive channel of God's voice on the earth. The organization oh, right. was not that. Now that, so fundamentally shocked her that it immediately caused her to suddenly realize and her her head literally spun and and she struggled with this for for quite a while she began to she began to really wonder well, well what else is what what else could be could I be wrong on she couldn't right. even, she couldn't even imagine she couldn't even at one point look out the window and see the sun and see the blue sky and realize is that sky really blue? Right, is that right. really light? <laughs> yeah. It's that it's, fundamental. It's that foundational. Right. It's so basic. Yeah. yeah, it's so basic. It really kind of blows people's mind. And it's and it's shameful. It's something I'm like, I can talk about it right now. But Raphael, the shame that, that you have when you realize what you allowed to happen to you is, is very heavy. And, yeah. um, have you forgiven yourself for that? Um, I, I, I'm on a healing journey of that. I would say mostly, but to say that it doesn't like to pop its head up, you know, sure, um, yeah, would be, you know, not true. So I, yeah. I still struggle, but not, not to the level I did when I was first, right. you know, out. So over right. time. Because because there comes a point in which you simply have to be gentle with yourself and realize, look, you made some mistakes. Yes, right. you blew it. Yes, right. you knew things and you proceeded anyway. But right. the guilt and the shame are, are things that crush people so much. Right. And 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 they feel because they've been in a shame based environment for so long, they believe right. that's the right thing to do. I, it's all my fault. Right. I cause all this issue when really, really, if you think about it and and you really consider it, you realize, look, the shame, the guilt, you need to be turned back on who needs to bear it. And that's not you. Right. It's right. the people who you trusted were going to tell you the truth. Right. It's the people right. who you thought were going to stand for God and, and, and speak only, you know, his divine ways. Those people are the ones who the shame belongs on. Shame on, right. on Timothy Williams and Malcolm Fraser and all these other people, all these women in the church who knew better, especially right. Williams, and, and yet set you on this path of bondage. 
they right. knew that they could keep you in bondage by telling you, well, you're unworthy of God because of X, Y, and Z. And, and because mm-hmm. of that, the consequences are that you're, is that you're hell bound, you're miserable. And of course, you know, that's all a bunch of baloney, but you right. proceed with it because you think it's true. And, and, right. and you need to let it go. And I know you have, I'm not saying you have, but, but, but people, I, right. that's one of the biggest things when I share with people, as a pastoral counselor, as a biblical counselor, not as a professional, but I do share. Shame is a big thing. You've got to understand, you've got to let go. you got to forgive right. yourself. You've been walking right. in the shadows too long. It's time right. to just put it behind you. And I'm glad you said shadows because part of the healing, a lot of this is talking about it. It is sharing what happened to you. A lot of people seem that it makes them uncomfortable, but to allow somebody to share what's happened in their life is healing because that gives that person that's hearing it a chance to say, I still love you. And that's the part that they need to hear. I am still here for you, even though you were in that situation. And I feel like the churches really need to hear that. Why would you hear somebody go, oh, I can ever imagine or why you would have joined or done something like that? Or, oh, that's so weird. That is the wrong response. How about going, wow, you're still here and you still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I, I... I love you and just know that I'm here for you. Yeah. That would be a right. That would be a healing response. Entirely. And I believe there's still a lot of judgment out there. I think it's, it's time for people to realize that everybody has a different journey. I hate that this one was mine, but I, the person I am today, I would rather be than the person I was before I even joined the group, the cult. So it changed me in ways I can't explain. Um, I wouldn't say I would want to go through the same experience again. It was something I'm like, okay, Lord, thank you for who I am right. today. I can't say that I would want to re-experience that again. But right. at the same time, thank you for who you've made me today. Yeah. There's better ways to develop and grow than have to have be, be almost destroyed by a cult. <laughs> I can totally right. agree on that. Exactly. But so I'm enjoying rediscovering life. That was go. one thing I, I I would say that the the lady that I still keep in touch with that has been across the board that I've heard anybody that's left. It's like you have a renewed joy of life and people. Right. I love people. I love life. I want to experience things. I mean, that was years and years of my adulthood that I did lose. Um, and trying to reconnect and rebuild my life has been, there's been struggles, I will admit, but at the same time, just rediscovering new things has been a joy. And yeah. I'm hoping that my relationship with God will, will get better. Um, it has been a struggle. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat that. But I know he's there, and I know he knows I love him, and I know he knows he loves me. So it's just going to be time and a journey that I'm still on. Right. Absolutely. And so you're moving ahead. You put one foot ahead of the other, and you're enjoying life. And you're realizing, right. you're, you're realizing if, if you're truly, you know, Loved by God, then there's nothing you can't face and understanding that look, you, you, you got somebody, somebody pretty big in your corner there. 
someone right. that that, that will affirm you no matter what you've done. And like you said, and there's a certain amount of, of 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 responsibility we may take for the distance and the travel we 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 put under the wheels as we as we wander away from 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 what we what we what we've known of God. But again, then again. Mm-hmm. We got to go back to what we've said. You wanted because you had the best of intentions to, to grow closer, right. and you right. were led right. by somebody who was evil and, and right. wanted to destroy you. And it's advantage of, of you're taking advantage of yeah. love for God, and that's that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's you know that gets that gets the enemy's attention, doesn't it? Oh, got someone that loves the Lord here. Oh, yeah, you know, your target. <laughs> Right. Well, I, I I appreciate your coming on to share all this. And uh, as we close here today, I always give this to my guests who are providing such uh, such gripping testimony. I, I, and gripping is not even the right word to even use. I, I, I've heard every time I interview someone who has been, I mean, dragged through hell by some group and have somehow emerged to talk about it, I'm always... I'm always humbled and I'm honored that you've come on to share it. And I always offer them an opportunity to say, you know, to, to maybe get the last word in. And because, because I want to believe that at some point, like you said, like we mentioned, Williams being the media hound that he is, the one that loves to hear how he's being maligned and will make a big deal about it. I mean, his whole oh, yeah. is about that. His whole career is about his offense, how he's been offended, how he's been misunderstood. You just look at, just look, just do a Google search of his websites and you can see yeah. that over and over and over again, how he rails against his enemies, how he rails right. against those who misunderstand him, how he gets down on them when, you know, I think there's a scripture in the Bible somewhere about forgiving your enemies. I seem to remember that one. <laughs> yeah, um, right. but, but this is what he's going to do and stuff like that. So at some point, um, Carla, I'm pretty certain that he'll come across this. Or right. maybe somebody else. Maybe there's someone from the Sound Doctrine community that's out there who maybe come on and drifted away. Maybe there's someone who who couldn't measure up and left, but they're still struggling with all right. the weight that just put on them. Or maybe there's someone who's left right. who's still struggling to put it behind them. I'm right. going to give you the floor. I'm going to give you for a moment just to share from your heart and what, what you'd feel you'd like to say to them. Um, I think anybody that's been in a cult in general or any ex sound doctor member, it, it's helpful to talk about it. I'm I'm always open for any phone call if anybody wants to call and, you know, express, you know, things that you didn't like and that, again we were told not to like each other and things like that. So my door's always open. Carla, I want to uh just make our our ministry uh help inbox available to you. If people will write to us here at help at spearwatch.org, I promise you, uh I will not respond to you, but I if you are writing specifically to speak to Carla or, or any of the guests that we spoke to here, we'll pass that information on directly to them. And uh that at that point uh they will reach out and contact you. So, uh, Carl, I'm going to make that available to you to use today. And uh, and uh, if anyone does want to contact you, please feel free to use that again. It's, it's help at spearwatch.org. We'll we'll get your email and we'll forward a meeting right to her. And uh, and then at that point, uh, she'll take it from there. Any any cult, you know, person in a cult that doesn't feel like they have somebody to talk to, I think that's super important. And Raphael, I, I'm thankful for you that if, if we could have more people that would be willing to 
um, be involved in something like this, I would I would call out for that. I think there needs to be more people that um, focus on this kind of healing. I think there's a lack of it that understands spiritual abuse. Yeah. So yeah. I would put a call out to the church to um, – we're not looking for a new church to be formed to deal with this. We're looking for people within the church that would be willing to focus on help people heal from spiritual abuse um, and learn how. So that that would be my my prayer and hope from this um, is just healing and, and avoidance. You know, sometimes right. just hearing this could have somebody choose not to, to join, hopefully, right. and to realize where they're at fine. You know, it, it's okay. You don't have to climb that ladder, God will meet you where you're at. That's right. And that's what um, the whole message of the prodigal son was about. You know? Right. <laughs> when right. the prodigal son walked away from his father and blew his inheritance, that guy right. had enough sense to realize, listen, maybe if I go back to my father, he'll take me back and I'll be right. a slave and I can feed the pigs and at least I'll have a decent living. And the father right. stood far off from his rich estate and just kept looking down the road that his son wandered from away from him on and then he saw him coming back to him and, right. then, and then if we know the story how it ends the son came and knelt for his father filthy full of soils uh, right. bore, I mean I mean, all kinds of sores on him no right. father says, I'm not worthy to be called your son let me just work for you and then his father interrupted my son's alive Rejoice right. with me. Get the fat right. calf. Get the ring. Get get right. the robe. For he who right. is dead is come back to life. And that's exactly right. how people who have been shattered by things such as cults, who feel like have betrayed God, should feel. They are right. still loved, still right. looked for. And I'm so glad you came out to remind us of that, Carl. I really appreciate that so very much. All right. Well, I appreciate you. <laughs> We appreciate you too. It's been it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you about this today. I know we've uh, we've known each other for quite a while, and mm-hmm. this is the first time I've really unpacked your entire story. And I and I know it's going to be a powerful one. It, 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 every story is powerful in its own way, and I know that uh, and just truly believe that uh, this is going to help a lot of folks. I hope. So. Yeah, I, that's my prayer. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you. If we've told lies, you've told half lies. And a man who tells lies, like me, merely hides the truth. But a man who tells half lies has forgotten where he put it.